Welcome to the show, everybody. I hope you had a chance to check out Psychonautics, a comics exploration of psychedelics. My very first documentary. I'd sure like to make more. I hope you had a chance to watch it and buy it and spread the word to everyone you know. Write reviews on iTunes and Amazon and all that good stuff. If you haven't yet, you should check it out. Please, it's a wonderful film. We've been getting a lot of great reviews so far. Been real excited about it. Love to keep the ball rolling. I'd like to see it uh, recommended to more people. And the more watches it gets, the more reviews it gets, the more it's recommended to others. So let's uh, let's get some momentum going. Let's keep it rolling. I really appreciate your help getting the word out there. Also, check out Stand Up Science Dates. You can go to my website, shanemossmauss.com, to see all the dates that are filling in there. And enjoy today's episode. Are we? Yes. Where are we? Here. Why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we are. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Here We Are podcast. My guest today is a good friend of mine. She's going to introduce herself. Go for it, Kathleen. Hi, this is Kathleen Voss from the University of Minnesota. I am a psychologist and a marketing scientist, and I study self-control, sex, and decision-making. Ooh, distinguished professor, by the way. I know you weren't going to say it about yourself, but I'll brag for you. <laughs> um, well, uh, listeners, by the way, you can uh, listen back if you're new to the show. Listen back to... It's live episode number three was the one. It's episode ooh, 111, 111. That's easy to remember. And you can hear Kathleen and Colin DeYoung. And I have a fantastic conversation about uh, New Year's resolutions and, um, and uh, self-control. And I still use your cheetah metaphor oh by yeah the way. that's a Thank good you. metaphor is it yours yeah oh okay yeah. all right well i didn't wow I starting mean, off the show with some uh, doubt uh, uh, a little bit of shade thrown my way Whoa. <laughs> well i use okay. i use expressions okay. like within i didn't know if it was like a regular scientific expression Listeners, shane tell, is tell blushing right now <laughs> first off this is i actually sometimes warn people before the show that i have uh that i have a rare genetic disorder where i uh, blush intensely and a bit it's not like threat or anything and it'll, it'll go away but it's you do uh no i don't that's oh. but i just blush a lot and that's oh. a fun thing that I it like is fun see. blushing uh, is a good uh, sign you know it means you care about the other person do you know that is that yeah oh yeah you know i think that about um about feeling stupid sometimes i because i, I feel stu- I, sometimes i'm like insecure in situations or I, you're shaking your head don't be that yeah, way. Don't. have confidence yeah. <laughs> but, but, but i do you you and i have slightly different personalities um i <laughs> but i i do I, I was thinking about this the other day like i'll i'll come in for one of these interviews sometimes i'm like hey, yeah we, we know each other so we're, we're we're old friends now so this is a, yeah, this you is a and good me one yeah, yeah yeah and uh but 
But sometimes I'm like, geez, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know how this is going to go. Do I know? And then sometimes, uh, a lot of times, academics are like, oh, I don't want to sound stupid. And I don't. And, uh, and sometimes the listeners are like, well, I don't want to. What if I don't know one of the words? That's, and like everyone's <laughs> feeling stupid all the time. And I was like, you know, when I've never felt stupid in my life was like doing a keg stand uh, or, <laughs> you know, just doing the dumbest stuff imaginable. So, so feeling stupid that at least, that at least says that you, value intelligence enough to want to be doing the correct thing or the smart thing and 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 uh, you know uh, who never feels stupid is oblivious people never feel stupid because they're Mm. they're oblivious so it's kind of like the blushing thing and and it is like valuing uh, so it is like that no it is a little connection i like that look at you by the way that was that's very academic of you like very you know in I think academics do that a lot. We make analogies from one thing to another. Sometimes they don't work. Sometimes they do, like yours mm-hmm. that you just did there. Give the cheetah one. People want to hear the cheetah one now. We can't just tease it. And oh it, no, no, no! And that's why they have to go listen to the episode. Oh, okay. No, right. of course I can give the you cheetah one. Give of the course, cheetah one. <laughs> the cheetah one. I, I love um, it. I say it all the time to friends. This is why I asked if it's yours because I've ripped it from you, <laughs> and I now, and I now in in passing conversations to pass myself off as sounding super interesting and yeah. intelligent. I use your cheetah. Analogy. You're becoming the cheetah guy. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. No. You're. I see. You're trying to <laughs> trying to claim it. There's right. There's some sort of appropriation happening here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the cheetah, the cheetah thing, the cheetah thing is okay. So as Shane mentioned, the conversation we were having in the live podcast had to do with self control and New Year's resolutions. And I think I must have been saying something about like that people, humans, are really good at self control. And in fact, out of all the other like mammals and all the other species, it's kind of what what humans do best. I mean, we're not the most social. Like there are other species that are more social than humans, but like pretty like it's a pretty strong argument that we're better at self-control than you, other animals you might even if you beat yourself up for it you might stop you you can't resist the candy aisle right. it finally breaks right. you and you, you get the twix or whatever yeah. anything even close to us any primate even close to us they're not even taking a second to pause they're grabbing all of that candy <laughs> right exactly right. yeah let alone having built like highly industrialized societies and cultures that the twix would be available in but sure <laughs> so let's just let's just forget that part of it. But yeah, I mean, so like the idea is to sort of like if we're so amazing at self control, then like why are we all? I like that your problem with that <laughs> is like, like, the premise. Hold on, <laughs> chimps can't make Twix. Okay, <laughs> okay. go on. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. saying they're they're failing the marshmallow the, yeah, study. That's right. That's right. Oh, the marshmallow study. <laughs> Walter Michelle just died. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Oh, but anyways, oh, well. he's, the, he's the one who uh, came up with the marshmallow study. Uh, in any case, um, <laughs> so the cheetah. I'm glad I finally <laughs> have a guest on as tangential <laughs> as I am. This is going to be so much fun. It's, this has never happened before. Oh. We're going to have a tangent off. All right, go on. <laughs> We're going to have a tangent off? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll help each other. We'll both be winners. Mm-hmm. And the listeners may be the losers in this. <laughs> I'm not sure. Anyways, regardless. So the idea is to sort of... As a self-control researcher, everybody's, like I say, okay, people are really good at self-control, but then of course that like very much like opens the question of why are we all so bad at self-control then if humans are arguably so good at it? And the analogy that I used is like people's ability to use self-control or the human ability to use self-control is like running for a cheetah. Cheetahs are the fastest animal in the world, but they can only run at top speeds 
for about 60 seconds at a time. And then they're just completely like they're done. They're just they're like lying on the ground, like panting and they're just they're wasted. And so humans have a maybe similar quality when it comes to self-control. We can do it for some time. And then it seems as if we're like just can't do it anymore. Now, it's not quite as 60 seconds or nothing, but it definitely has this uh, this uh, I was gonna say periodicity, but but it definitely has this like pattern where we're like using it and then we don't use it well anymore. That uh, that's a uh, that would be an interesting superhero movie where the power only lasts <laughs> yes. for sixty seconds and then they gotta nap it out <laughs> afterward. Very vulnerable, very vulnerable after that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that's us. Yes, it is us. Yes, it is us. I was trying to picture how that would go. I ran by some of my friends who are into superhero stuff. By the way, listeners, what you have to realize too is as Shane came up with this superhero idea, he spontaneously put his hands on his hips and put his like, uh, yeah. Hey, I. T- told you before the recording this don't talk about what my hands are up to <laughs> well i can okay, see him what, so what did i do i put my you hands, hands on, on your my hips yeah. that was and a superhero you, yeah, you pose did. you like adopted a superhero pose it's a very is, is that is that to give me confidence or has that stuff been debunked uh the power pose stuff. I, you don't I am want not to touch going it. there. Yep. You don't yep, want to yep, touch I'm it. I'm not going There's there. Your it's answer, also not everybody. my area of expertise. But sure. what I will say is, like, the concept of a superhero. I mean, kind of from a visual perspective, we most. I mean, the. I the, kind of pulled my hoodie out like a cape. You did. You did idea. kind of. Yeah. yeah. No, it's true. It's true. Um, we need one of those shows where like people are uh, nominally on the radio, but they're also being videoed while they're on the radio. So yeah, know. I've wanted to do that. I'm worried that guests will get in their head about it. I know yeah, that I you're not you a shy person, mm-hmm. but some people are. I think you should. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think you are right to worry about that mm-hmm. in general. But in any case, no, no, it makes sense that if you were thinking about a superhero, you might adopt what is like kind of the canonical stance of a superhero, which is that one hands on the hips mm-hmm. just for a brief moment in time. But you're like, oh, and that'd be a great superhero. And it just, it also made sense with what you were saying. It was very natural, but I, I thought it was cool that you did that. Yeah. Well, another thing that the listeners didn't get to see is when I was talking about chimps, I was actually mining, throwing my own <laughs> poop as well. Um, <laughs> so, so I, I want to, I want to make you blush. Uh, I already am. I'm sure. I already am. You have. um, uh, We have some uh, some of your colleagues. I also get to know and Uh all that. That's awesome. And we we talk about you sometime. Uh, sometimes and we talk. This is what we talk about. We no one understands how you do a billion things all at the same time. You're a you're a, a high energy individual. And you, you're, you're very well accomplished, distinguished professor. You got a zillion projects going on. You're off to, where are you going after this podcast to talk to some embassy or something like that? You, no. you zip into the UN. I forget what, I forget what it was. You're, you're like influencing President Obama. You're doing all of these things. You're like, yeah, Indirectly. I, guess I did no, that. No, 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 <laughs> See, no, no. I told you I could make you blush. Uh, but, but then you also, you have fun. If I'm in town you'll come out to a show you'll have some drinks you're a fun lady seems like you got it together what's going on you doing the math or you what what's how how are you how are you pulling all this stuff off that's what we all uh, oh, that's what we uh-huh. all want to know mm-hmm. inquiring minds want to mm-hmm. know um i would say no life i don't know <laughs> if i have no life i think maybe some of it is that i mean a lot of other people have like Family, for example. Oh yeah, that'll yeah, take about it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, completely gets in the way. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I think I mean a lot of it is I just work with really amazing people, 
And when you work with the right people, a lot more gets done. So that's super helpful. Um, my university, my department are super nice to me and they help my, they help me, they kind of like help me out by letting me do as much as I can of that kind of other stuff. So I don't exactly know. I don't really know. In part because I don't know what it's like to be other people. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like to, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what I like both to do. Super obvious and existential <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> I, 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 I like to like uh, you know sit around. <laughs> I, I'm like way into relaxation. Oh yeah, and, see, uh, I don't do that very well. I've had yeah. to like really, even honestly, in like the last kind of six months or so, like try to make myself watch television. I don't. I hate movies. Movies are the worst. They're terrible. Um, I don't take meetings. So actually, the mere fact that we're doing this is unusual for me well thank you yeah it did come out that way it didn't i didn't mean it that no, way i appreciate but it. like i issue meetings i appreciate your time uh, i know how busy you are so part of it is that um yeah movies are the worst uh they're a huge waste of time i don't know okay what about what about a documentary is that just tricking me into thinking it's not a waste of time, Correct. but it's just a waste of time mm, it's and it's incredibly time. biased yep. and everything yep. else? Yep. Oh, yep. shoot. Know, because I sure like to pat myself on the back for watching a <laughs> But remember, I learn for a living. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. I'm not saying that you don't in some sense, but like I feel filled up with that. I'm good. Yeah, no, movies yeah. are a huge letdown. First of all, like two hours of your life. Are you kidding me? Um, well, that's compared to <laughs> most TV shows that people are going on the Netflix binges. That's that's eight hours straight. Well, sure, okay, sure, but yeah, 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 okay, right. sure, sure. But I'm like a very vote with your feet person, so like I don't finish books I don't like. Uh-huh. I sometimes I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Uh, like I I was gonna say stop meetings that I don't like, but I guess that's that true. I sort of try to. Are, are we gonna have meetings. to stop this podcast <laughs> like, early? Oh no! Like, are you trying really to tell awkward. me something? Um, <laughs> By the way, any, like I'm not sure anyone else will be listening and thinking about themselves, but the meetings I have with you guys, I love. Just so you know, whoever's out there, yeah, the, our the, meetings are the, the ones I the really person listening. Is, you are very important. Um, I. <laughs> I mean, I definitely, so I have this new project. You're coming and doing a stand-up science show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I definitely, when I have these new projects, to, and this is a enormous undertaking, something turns on inside of me and these engines get going and, and I find the energy to accomplish quite a bit more than what yeah. I typically That's um, accomplish. Uh, I, I feel like my creativity takes a little bit of a hit during the times of hmm. I'm doing a lot of administrative and logistical uh. and emailing and yeah. uh, marketing kind of stuff. Although marketing's a little creative. Um, eh, no. As well, a marketing professor, I, I'm dry. I don't know. Well, that's good. It's good. It's got both. It's, it's got a little bit of both. And it's analytical. Hmm. So you teased me a little bit because during stand-up science, you, you had teased the idea of maybe talking about some of the downsides of meditation. Am, yeah. am I kind of yeah. phrasing that yeah. right? Yeah. So I've I've talked about meditation a fair amount on the show. I've, I I sometimes regular uh, uh, meditate regularly did you say i sometimes regularly meditate uh, sometimes <laughs> sometimes regularly meditate uh, yeah for like months at a time and then i fall out of it oh, like, you know, exercise you're kind of like yeah else. going spurts I, i'm a binger um you know, just I with everything like in life yeah, um very american of you yeah <laughs> i think we do that right yeah, yeah we kind of go so. all out and then we're like oh wait i'm not doing that anymore at all yeah yeah um, we get satiated very fast. Ooh, my colleague Joe, Joe Redden down the hall, his ears are ringing. Yeah. yeah. But I do sometimes I'm like, 
Is this a placebo? Much like the uh, bring up the power poses, you stand in front of a mirror like Superman and then you have confidence for the day. Well, part of it might be like a part of your brain being like, well, I didn't I didn't just look for an like an idiot for two minutes for no reason at all. That must <laughs> that must must do something. And I sometimes wonder if meditation is a little bit like that. And I and then I also sometimes think that maybe you know what I never hear about is is contemplation so much in, in the culture. I don't I don't hear about like there's no guided contemplations that I <laughs> that I hear about. There's no setting aside 20 minutes a day to contemplate. And mm. that seems like a big part of this puzzle of life as well. It's a certainly one of my favorite aspects of life is sitting back and contemplating things. Really? Um, yeah, I'm a big contemplator. What does that mean? It's, what do you mean by contemplation? I, I like I mean, this idea a lot. I mean, I I think I I kind of like sitting back and just working through the ideas of like kind of the puzzles of life and putting together these various ideas. Like right now, I would like here's one that I that I've been chewing on over the last couple of days, and I revisit from time to time hmm. is that I think that humans are uh, uh, because of the mismatch with our modern environment. I believe that we're kind of psychologically and physically allergic to life, misperceiving threats that are not there. And I have uh, several different uh, ideas from different disciplines that mm. that, uh, and maybe I'm looking a little too hard for I that. Like um, but yeah. but uh, and we've kind of talked recently. So if there's like, if I, in our evolved environment, there's ten threats to your immune system a day but it's just an arbitrary number yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sure. uh, and then and it's like this through basically all of human history and then all of a sudden we have sanitation and we have Lysol we have uh, yeah. an understanding about this and now there's like maybe one threat a day but your brain has evolved to perceive 10 threats so there's something going on in your brain going like well why aren't we picking up 10 threats there must be something wrong with the detection system and then it makes the detection system more sensitive and then you start perceiving and this is kind of what an allergy is is why you perceive dander as a threat and then you have these allergic responses but i think that negativity biases and i think we have a lot of um psychological uh kind of allergies we look for the news to be like oh yeah shark attack that's the threat i knew there was a threat because we were used to kind of being chased by lions or what i know that's kind of cliche but um and 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 it's now much much safer this is this is statistically the safest environment that humans have ever lived in but if you ask your average person it certainly doesn't quite quote unquote feel that way to them and so that's kind of a thing that i spend a lot of time chewing on you should be a this is playing my mind right now, Shane. This is like, <laughs> really? Yeah, like in a good way. This is like oh, amazing. Good. All right. Terrific. Um, this is. I mean, you should. You yeah, that's amazing. Like, oh my god, there's so much to think about there. Well, yeah. So I wrote a paper. Um, called "Bad is Stronger Than Good." Do you know this paper? No. No. Which is totally reasonable. I just didn't no. want to be. So the "Bad is Stronger Than Good" idea is, um, a compilation of hundreds and hundreds of findings, basically just making the point that when you have um. Um, like bad stimuli, bad feedback, unfavorable, um, you know, proclamations or or predictions or anything of that nature are going to be more psychologically impactful than their equivalent on the good side. So, for example, losing money, gaining money, um, scoring well on an exam, scoring poorly on an exam, getting positive feedback from your supervisor or your relationship partner, negative feedback from the same people. 
just that there's a much bigger psychological effect of any of those like negative, like in anything that's coming into you that's an input. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is, um, is that there's an evolutionary reason. Like, like, so I think, I don't think it's in our paper, but as I like to say, when I talk about it, um, death only has to win once and life has to win every day. So if you're not super hyper attuned to negative things and you miss one, then that can cause your downfall. But if you miss, if you're not, let's say you're not like the psychological system is not as attuned and sensitive to positive things. And so you may miss one. That's not going to harm you nearly as much as, or, you know, cause some sort of a negative outcome. And so that bad is stronger than good idea has been like, we're, we're very happy. It's been used a lot. It's very, very well cited. Um, and so that's that's huge. But then the other thing that you brought up about how like even though there are not as many, for example, threats in the environment, we still perceive them when there aren't. Did you know that a science paper, like a paper in science just came out six weeks ago that made that exact point? Hmm. That's like a totally new finding. And you thought of it too? That's so cool. It happens to me a lot. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I often run my ideas by scientists and they're like, that's a thing. I'm like, oh, that I guess I'm on the right science. track then. Or JAMA was it? I don't know. But yeah, no, no, it wasn't. Yours was, yours was in science. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is like, this is like bits and pieces of these conversations that I have with a bunch of people with different disciplines. And then I just kind of come up with my own ideas of yeah, putting them together cool. a little bit. Cool. Um, but, uh, but, or, or maybe I'm like, maybe it's someone else's idea and I don't remember hearing it. I from don't. Somewhere. I mean, I don't think so. It's Dan Gilbert's idea. Or at least it's his paper. I don't know whose idea it was, but he's he's one of the authors on the paper. Well, thank you. It's a huge it's, deal. That was nice. That's a good idea. That but the contemplation like idea. About. Now that we're like kind of not, we're trying to not be as tangential as we were before. Uh, yeah, whatever. Or whatever. This but, is I I don't I don't really consider this a typical um, like host guest sort of a thing. <laughs> I think we both kind of have a conversation and steer yeah, the ship. Of course. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I, I'm not gonna try to reel you in. Are you kidding me? I know better than that. <laughs> no. Yeah, you know what side your bread is buttered on. You know, <laughs> yeah. exactly. For for both of our outcomes, right? Right. Um, no, no, I just always have this like, thing that's hanging out there, like, you know, that conversational there should be like a word for that. You know, like, when the conversation like has a like a thread that's just hanging there, like a string, and I was like, want to get back to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So contemplation, I think that's cool. I never I don't really I don't think many people would have the like patience or countenance for it. Kind of like but maybe that's what people thought about mindfulness. Well, mindfulness is two thousand years old, so probably people knew. I go. This isn't like focusing on your breath. This isn't you're not the TV is not on. I'm not even writing. No, I know Although that. writing can help. Yeah. But I'm just like sitting there. You're like mulling. And mull and and mulling. You're mulling your uh, yeah. uh, contemplation. I would say like, reflection. Uh, yeah. So sometimes okay. sort of intensely, but I, I think intensity takes away from it a little bit. Yeah. Um Yeah, but, I, yeah. But yeah, but but it's just always it occurred to me like, well, why you don't hear about contemplate and, no. and it's also I don't know if this is just the industrial revolution where it's like we all have to have this very specific thing and do a widget and crank out the most. It's always widgets, by the way. Um, I'm a marketing professor, so (laughs) yes, I know that. And and like you just crank them out as fast as you can. And like the the longer you can stay awake and the faster you can crank these things out, uh, the better. And and so it it just seems like there's, uh, there's a lot of like, what is considered productivity is, is output yeah is output more than more than kind of these internal processes and and creativity yeah i mean i think no i think you're totally right on that i think though in many circles i think you're right sometimes it's just pure output but i think a lot of times it's like 
there's kind of a quality and a quantity aspect to what's considered productivity, right? Mm -hmm. And in your rigid version, that was just a pure quantity. But then when you've got kind of knowledge workers, of which, you know, we both are, then you've got things like the quality of the output, right? So you can crank out however many shows and you can have however many, you know, tours and this, that and the other. But if like, you know, if it's not hitting people where, you know, if it's not meeting people halfway and giving them something that they like, then the number of times you go out and do that is not going to be a measure of success. But that's why I think the contemplation comes in though, right? Because Mm -hmm. that's like helping, ideally supposed to help with the quality of the output, even if it means taking a pause on the quantity of it a little bit. I mean, I think that's the idea. So I think scientists and scholars do what you're doing. Well, how about this? I say, I can, I, I know I do it. Well, like, I have an idea but it's a kind of ill-formed idea, which that's how they usually start out. And I'm kind of just like, hmm, just trying to wrap my arms around it. And then I often kind of hop on my computer at some point when I, after I've been walking around for days, weeks, months, sometimes years, and just kind of like, uh, you know, the journalistic phrase of like gathering strings. Mm. Gathering strings is like what journalists Explain say it. when they're trying to like figure out, you know, when journalists write a story or like when academics write a paper, there's like a specific hook sounds a little too like weirdly marketing you know uh, but like too strategic but like more like ah that's why this makes it so cool or that's the shape of the paper that's the shape of the idea Hmm. so gathering strings is like that i that notion um in any case then when i finally kind of get enough things and i have my computer and i start writing things down but it's kind of like a stream of consciousness but i get it on the page because that's how i do best Mm -hmm. thinking that way i think that's uh, yeah we don't really the fact that you and i are have to have like a 10 minute conversation about the process and the terminology for it means we don't really have a preconceived notion of what that is, right? Right. I think that's a good idea. Hmm. I also like the idea of, I think tomorrow at our show, I'm going to intro all of us as knowledge workers. <laughs> you should. You yeah, should. I Although, like if you're... It's cons- a little pretentious, right? It's Maybe. a titch, Just a titch. <laughs> I borrowed it from Silicon Valley. Not like the television show, but like the uh-huh. idea. Also, but if you're concerned about the audience thinking like, oh, scientists here... Yeah. We're going to keep it right. We are just regular. So we should probably keep it regular. <laughs> sure. We'll keep regular. it regular. <laughs> Your next regular coming to the stage. <laughs> Kathleen Voss is a native Minnesotan and well, lives here again. That's like the kind of regularity. We'll keep it at that level of like hometown. So tell me why I don't need to beat myself up for meditating, uh, for, for not for not meditating yeah. every yeah. single day. Um. Uh, yeah, so we we did some studies to try to figure out if there's a downside to mindfulness. And I part... It, <laughs> it, like it seems like, funny. It does seem funny. It sounds also kind of nefarious the way I said it, but more like my co-author is this expert on mindfulness and med. By the way, for listeners, like meditation and mindfulness, they're kind of... I'm going to use them synonymously. Meditation is the practice. Mindfulness is the state you get into. So you meditate in order to be mindful. How's that? Mm-hmm. Um, so he's an expert in all that business. And um, I had read some of his papers and kind of emailed him and just said, like, there's got to be a downside to this, right? And I came at it from kind of a very, like, um, theoretical perspective, which is to say I hadn't seen any downsides of, like, the idea of mindfulness. And there's no concept in social sciences or maybe not even in, in anything where something is all good or all bad. So so, so for some parts of my career, um, when you kind of, well, when I look back on my CV, I can see that some of the motivation for doing um, some projects were things like everybody in the literature is saying this ba- this is bad. Well, there's got to be an upside. And then in some other cases, everybody's saying something's good and there's got to be a downside. And so mine kind of came out of that perspective. And f- as a, from a scholarly perspective, like we learn a lot more. 
when we take an opposing view, we learn a lot more about what the construct is rather than, for example, with mindfulness, like throwing another brick on the wall of how amazing it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we came at it from this idea of mindfulness is a state of being in the moment, just being focused on the present and accepting it, just being accepting of the present. And we already mentioned that I am a goals and a self-control researcher. And when you have a goal in mind and you pursue a goal, it's sort of like all the characteristics of why people pursue goals and what makes them what makes for goal pursuit are exactly the opposite of mindfulness. So in goal pursuit, you focus on the future because there is some other like state or way or position you want to be in. And the reason that you have a goal is to get to that other state is because you are inherently somewhat discontent with the present. There's something about the present that you're just not feeling as happy with. So the whole notion of having a goal means that you're kind of not mindful or that, let me actually put it differently, that being in a mindful state and being in a goal-directed state seem like they're kind of inherently conflicting with one another. Mm. And that's what we did. We just had people get into a mindful state or not, and then we set them off on pursuing some goals and we saw what happened. People were just like, not really into trying to achieve their goals once they were in a mindful state because they're accepting of the present moment and they're just like chill with everything. Interesting. Yeah. That's I mean, cool. So it's just like it's, I mean, mindfulness is fine. I like to say mindfulness has its place. It's just that mindfulness has its place. Be mindful of mindfulness and know that, be mindful of the appropriate mindful times for mindfulness. <laughs> that's right. Um, like everything in moderation, including moderation. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I mean, I also... The present is also informed by the past. As I look at your shelf over here, I don't need to be like, well, what are the, all these weird colors on this <laughs> shelf? Like, I know that those are books because <laughs> because I've experienced books before. Right. <laughs> yes. um, not as much as some people. But, but, uh, but this is, I mean, it just seems like such an impossible thing for the brain to do to to be here in the present the past doesn't matter the future doesn't matter but but don't you always have to be if you want to write a book about mindfulness you really have to like plan out like an outline and and set goals and 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 to like explain to people to be in the present like you really need to okay and then how are we going to market this thing and then uh, this idea and then how do you communicate like it's just not it's yeah. yeah. seemingly no. not possible. Right, exactly. And and that's actually kind of where so one thing is that we did this paper and it was it was fun and nice and I think it made a, a nice point, albeit a little bit of like a limited point. I mean, I like a lot of let me walk that back. I like all of my research papers uh, and all of their findings. But you know, like some I'm more kind of taken with after time than others. And this paper on mindfulness, like I love it, but like I think my co-author and I would both say, like, it makes a fairly modest point. The thing is the mindfulness people didn't think of it as a modest point. They got all like crazy up in arms over it. And it makes me like, just, I, I'm. <laughs> they weren't very Zen-like. No, in fact, that's what I, exactly. Like, <laughs> as my co-author and I were, were corresponding about this, I was like, God, for a group that espouses calm yeah. and acceptance, mindfulness people are really anything but when it comes to like mindfulness being challenged. I mean, so I wrote a, uh, my co-author and I, we wrote an op-ed for the New York Times and it got into the Sunday Times, which is like the holy grail whoop, whoop, of op-eds. And then just the emails just flowed in and they were like, you clearly don't understand mindfulness because we, we found this like, you know, downside. I mean, we're like, you should really, you know, like watch my video, like read my blog, buy my book. Like, exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. And then Ariana Huffington, you know her of yeah. HuffPost, 
she's like a huge, huge devotee of mindfulness and has been into it for years. She and one of the leading researchers and I'm on the empirical side, like the data-driven side of mindfulness. His name is Richie Davidson. They wrote a takedown article of our article saying that it was basically, in effect, fake news. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa. But I mean, I just like, so this kind of loops back to your point about writing a book on mindfulness. You got to be like, what's the plan? How are we going to market it? Like, what does my audience already know? What would the readers know? There's like past and future involved. I was just thinking like, Ariana Huffington, there's no way she would have built her empire without having to be really future oriented and goal achieving like it's and it's fine mindfulness does have its place it's just that it can't be everything to everyone at all times and that's what they seem to be upset about is that we said it's like i thought there's a downside i think mindfulness stuff is like liberal religion i mean the way that people react it's like weird because i don't i just thought i think we made a nice point but it's like we called their baby ugly or something yeah i mean we all happened i mean i i would Boy, we could just talk all day about the, the, the way in which when you take about ideas taking shape and form, I think our beliefs do. I think that they do take life within mm-hmm. our heads. And then I think we form these defenses against our beliefs yeah. because these beliefs are powerful motivators, keep us driving forward. And without these things, how would, then what would I do if I don't have whatever placebo anymore? Um, I've tried getting... Richie on uh, oh, Richie Davidson yeah. on the show many times. Uh, always a very busy man. I, I mean, he is. I, I went to. Um, He's a big deal. So I, he is a big deal. Uh, that's why I want him on the show. Right. I went. I went to one of his. Uh, went to one of his talks yeah. in an effort to like. Well, maybe if I meet him face to face. What are the people? I'm having a, a brain fart on the. There's got to be a better word than brain fart, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> for the uh, the people that that meditate like day in and day out, like the. Yo- yogis. Oh, is, is that right? what the yogi I, definition I, is? I didn't know I that. I think so. Well, there's he studied these yogis that go and you know oh, yeah, meditate for like eight like to Buddhist ten hours yeah. or something like that. That's super cool. And at the it is cool. Yeah. And then at the end, I was like, "Well, you're you're doing all these MRIs and stuff. Did you did you find that there's any diminishing returns right. over time? Like, yeah. it, it, like did you have to break it to any of these yogis that like?" You, you know, this, this whole time that you've, you've been you meditating for 14 years ago. <laughs> hours a day, it could have been two hours a day. That's and a super good question, got, though. I thought so I as well. It. It's and a very scholastic question. I thought yeah. so, too. And he kind of did not have a... Wasn't having it. Uh, yeah, was not interested in answering the question. I mean, I asked it, I guess, in a funny-ish way. I pretty much just asked that, which got a laugh because <laughs>, laughs... I mean, humor is also revealing of the truth and makes a connection novel connection that people haven't seen before and so it wasn't necessarily that i, I wasn't trying to it's make just like fun laughing of him. at you laughing with you kind oh of donald laughing trump, with me donald trump uh <laughs> oh come on don't you no, dare no 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 uh, <laughs> no no no, um, no no i meant laughing. the, the no, 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 un no. thing yeah no sorry uh, like oh that was a joke that I meant me, to... <laughs> sorry that took it to a I, I misplaced where that was supposed to be sorry okay. no, no 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 like no i meant the laughing at it with thing then i just yeah, yeah, yeah. association no no um i i asked the question it, it got a laugh i, I knew idea. it would get a laugh Such i a thought it was idea. a good idea and then Such uh and idea. he kind of poo-pooed it um i do i sometimes think um that there is a place that you can go to in your mind that is just closer to the origins of life and and you don't and you don't realize that that's what it is i i think that um i think that there's there's these all of our experiences are built on top of past experiences and i think when people are like searching far enough they don't realize that they're actually just going back 
into kind of some of the foundational operating systems of consciousness. This is kind of a wild idea, but you know how in in religion they're like, oh, like that's a standard. Sure, of course, every yeah. every religion has this very comfortable sound that you can make, yeah. and everyone can kind of sing yes, in this that's range, right. and it's very it, yeah. and it kind of makes you feel comfortable and okay. And and this is much of like religion and our belief systems. Are you systems hypnotizing are me right now? About... I sort of feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> Am I just being that You're boring? Sleepy, very sleepy. <laughs> but, but it no, is. It's, it's like boring. this very. Very safe kind of, uh, and and it's often like people that are trying to like gain conscious control over the chaos of life using these kind of lucky socks and whatnot, and or or whatever uh, belief systems. And uh, and I'm thinking about it, and I was like, well, why is that? That that, and and it's also when you're like in a vulnerable place is when you it was when you look to achieve these states the most when you're searching for them the most and i'm i was thinking what would the consciousness has to exist before you come out of the womb even though it's not very well put together and most of the audio world would sound uh, because that sound is what it sounds like if you're underwater i came up with this idea when i was floating in a float tank uh, there's a sound of like a ohm and i was like that must have been what the world uh sounded like and felt like as the beginnings of our perception were coming into existence and i think that there's some sort of like going home or some sort of like a a safety blanket feel to tapping into these like accessing these uh, these odd parts of the brain i know uh, so this is getting far into the contemplation that we've okay. talked I about like and, it. And I definitely like it. not I don't not know. testable in any way or of course anything why like. wouldn't it be but uh but but i i have that just because of the type of person that's into this the the that's most part of the problem kind of the, i mean the problem the for the part of the um uh, confusion over what's going on sorry right right, right? It, it is it's much about there seems like there's some conscientiousness involved of like trying to and mindfulness trying to yeah of like trying to yeah gain control or be accepting of some it, it, se- it seems like a defense mechanism to like the very idea of chaos well i mean no so i mean i think that's so i've learned a lot about well, i shouldn't go with saying i've learned a, i've learned a lot about mindfulness and meditation that's because i started at like zero like a baseline of like nil um, I know lots of people know a lot more than I, um, but one thing I've kind of like come to understand is that there's like t- kind of really two forms of mindfulness that really started off in India back in like back 2000 years ago. And the Western version of it really kind of co-opted one part of it, which is this like mind control thing. There's a totally other part that's like kind of more like loving kind- kindness, acceptance, whatever, like kind of like trying to f- write yourself with these more spiritual pro-social values. Like some people may do that, but that is not what people in modern Western society mean by mindfulness. And that's not why they use it. They use it for what can it do for me? Stress reduction. I'll be better at work. I'll be like able to like not need as much sleep or when I am like sleep deprived, I'll be just fine. It's like the new every, you know, it's like the new pill basically, yeah. right? Yeah. This is, I, I helped out with, uh, so, well, I don't need to hide my of my my psychedelic oh, yeah. interests and right. advocacy <laughs> from you but i helped out with a, a psilocybin retreat in jamaica where they're legal and i went and there's this guy there that had been he was like a very conservative he was an oil marketing guy and oh, just cool. like the strangest like wow. that not the person that you would think of in a, no. in a uh, community full of like energy healers and crystals <laughs> and stuff and uh and but he he had you know 
read about this in the Wall Street Journal and was like, <laughs> if I gobble these mushrooms, I'll like be more productive oh, really? at work or whatever. Forbes and, new list. <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah. yeah, but it is interesting that, and this is something that people have uh, for for a long time, if not if not most of human history, been using specifically as this deeply spiritual right. experience. Right. And now in our modern society, yep. it's like, yep. maybe I'll be able to run faster. Exactly. You know, like, like, we, we totally flipped the script on that, right? <laughs> like like mindfulness meditation and the, like taking mushrooms and other kinds of psychedelics are like... Yeah, in there's some, some microdosing be... now oh, is like I the know. main thing. Everyone's Sounds so cool. It, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not a microdoser. You're I'm a full macro, doser. You're but, a macro yeah. doser. But, <laughs> you're a mega doser. But but the uh, the I'm actually taking a break for a while. But but uh, oh. but there's uh, but there's definitely the idea of the microdose is definitely like well this will increase totally. productivity. Which for me that's never been right. Like the psychedelic experience has been about freeing myself from like whatever douchebag behavior I might be unaware of that I'm that I, that I'm glad I'm you're doing. on a break when you're hanging out with me. Appreciate that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Appreciate it. It's funny. No, but I know it's like in some sense you use it for the antidote for whatever all those like modern Western highly commercialized, right? Like mm-hmm. you and many other people use it as the antidote to that. And now, right. but like, I don't know. I think I'm a very Western person in that sense. Like I could see using it for like, how do I maximize what I want out of it? Um, I mean, I mean, we increase our well-being. Productivity typically goes along with that. We were maybe also kinder people at the same time. Maybe, 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 maybe not. I mean, I think maybe in one sense, like just the motives for doing those things is really interesting to understand. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, just just there's a lot to be said for kind of why people engage in those things. And then. And then I think this loops back around is something you said earlier, which is uh, kind of like the types of people who get interested in these things. And like when we did our mindfulness studies, that's kind of why I was really um, happy with the approach that we took because a lot of my, there's like a ton of research on mindfulness. Um, my co-author wrote in one of the press releases that we were doing on our paper that there have been thousands of like research papers on mindfulness. And I was like, I wrote back, I'm like, don't exaggerate. Come on. Like, what, what is it? Like a hundred or two. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, there are thousands of research papers well the thing is is like when we read we certainly didn't read thousands but we went and read the kind of top ones a lot of those are like we measured people before and after going into a mindfulness meditation like 12 week you know kind of like class to learn how to do it and afterwards people were this that and the other it's like sure but the types of people who sign up for those classes are different than the types of people who don't and the people who stick with those classes are different than the people who sign up and have to quit in the middle and so like in science, we would just say it's like a selection effect. You're not really ever sure. So in our experiments, like we didn't tell them that what they were doing was mindfulness. We just said like focus on your breathing or like uh, focus on the sensations, like your feet in your shoes, etc. Um, and so we have also avoided what I think is a term you've used several times here, which is like the placebo effect, mm-hmm. which is kind of like, oh, I know that I'm doing X. And I expect X has these consequences. Therefore, I have these consequences. So in any case, but yeah, there's a whole thing about like, what's the type of person to do it? And then I guess kind of now there's a new type of person to do some of these things, but they're not doing it for the, they're doing it for the totally, for new reasons, right? Well, the CIA like used LSD to try to like do, maybe we can use, this is back in the invention of, they're like, well, if it can help people be like, help therapists, who's to say it can't help us like, 
be better at war <laughs> and elected and it, and it was helpful Seems perfectly reasonable to me <laughs> yeah. yeah well like ecstasy was like for a long time used as couples therapy uh-huh. and i think might be getting, getting back, back to that, to that. yeah, yeah. Like, you and i are both like on the same on the same page on that yeah mm-hmm. i went to google google has this uh this meeting of scientists called google saifu and it was like super cool and i was one of like four behavioral people everyone else is like material sciences like like geology, like physics, just a lot of, I guess sat down and talked at lunch with some guy and I said, what do you do? And he said, I study the earliest moments after the big bang. And I was like, Oh, I'm a marketing professor. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Sorry to the field of marketing, but like, you know, it was cool. And in any case, Mm -hmm. one of the, one of the talks there was given by one of the attendees and he's using a lot of like LSD mushrooms and ecstasy to help cancer patients who are Mm -hmm. reaching end of life when they're like, but using in clinical trials. So I think we will get there someday. No, maybe. Yeah, I, I, it, it, it looks it looks kind of promising with MDMA anyway. I yeah, I didn't mean to distract and no, turn I think it's great. Oh, cool. I love um, this stuff. I would talk. I mean, I think awesome. all of this stuff is exactly what I would talk about all the time if I could. Terrific. I I mean, and I I want to say for listeners, don't don't uh, uh, mind you. I'm not attacking no. mindfulness. This no, is, me either. By like, the way, no, yeah, no, 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 neither of us are. No, no, no. Like, so that's the thing. Right. Is like mindfulness has its place. It, yeah, it does. it's one it's, of the things that I I encourage so uh, more than because I I think everyone like even if they don't diet or exercise is at least not denying that diet and exercise are a good thing for you. Right. Whereas mindfulness, I, I do believe is a is a positive thing yeah, uh, in people's lives. I think it's and right. and. There is a lot of stigma uh, uh, in terms of uh, there are a lot of people kind of close-minded about it, or it just oh, seems really? weird, or they don't know where oh, to I start. I didn't know that. Say. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I think it was like you know, like where yoga um, it, kind of first started it, out. It started out yeah, like yeah. It was like what I is this weir- bunch of weirdos yeah. doing these strange stretches? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I think. I mean, I wouldn't have taken on, taken on a project. I wouldn't have even wanted to do a project on mindfulness if I didn't think that it was a concept worthy of understanding. More, so I think I think mindfulness has a lot of benefits. Um, I use it to get back to sleep in the middle of the night, which I know is like for a lot of um, kind of like super serious mindfulness people, they think think that's not good because something about mindfulness is supposed to, I don't know what leave you energized, but like I find that it's useful for me, and I think it's useful for a lot of people. Our point is just that it's just not, not it can't be everything, and that's all. Mm-hmm. But you yeah, know, mindfulness is great. Um, mm-hmm. Um, all right. So Our here, disclaimers. here's another. Sure. Here's another. Uh, th- this is a good as good a time as any because we almost kind of touched on this a little bit already in our conversation. But here's a, here's another thing that I spend some time contemplating. I uh, the idea of altruism and charity. I have my guests each week plug a charity of, of their choice, which uh, which I'd love for you to do. But I also when we talk about like what are our motivations, I think a lot about this because sometimes I'm like. Well, say someone is uh, uh, doing this for a, a, a quote-unquote selfish reason. Say, say someone's like, I am for a given charity or a given um, uh, – uh, I mean, we see a lot of this in val- uh, with our value systems and politics and whatnot where we're kind of advertising the sort of person we are to like make ourselves look better or whatever. So there, there's sometimes like a – air of certainly there's these the uh i i would 
you watch Arrested Development by chance, uh, mm, the, the, the TV day. show. Yeah. Um, so so they would have the Blues would have these charity events that were always like these preposterous things, but it was really just about them and you know making themselves appear a certain way, and right. and these were these incredibly selfish people. And I think there is a little bit of that here and there, but I but I'm like, well, what a great way. If you are going to be selfish, like what a great way to be selfish is through giving. I would much rather see more of that kind of selfishness than the than uh, the the typical. Yeah, yeah. You uh, should you should talk to my colleague Vlad right next door. He has a series of papers on exactly that. Hmm. It's like about how people, and particularly men, because he comes at it from this kind of evolutionary perspective of like what men and women are doing, kind of to impress one another or society or what have you, and. Um, Because men, in an evolutionary sense, typically had more resources, then you can show off how many resources you have by like giving them away. And Mm. it actually makes you higher in status. So Mm. you're actually doing it for kind of a selfish purpose to raise yourself up in status in the eyes of others, but you're doing this pro-social thing. So he kind of, I don't know if that's quite what you meant, but there's... Yeah, well, there's like this handicap principle, whereas anything that, uh, it's not like handicap, it means like you're doing something incredibly costly to advertise how, yeah, how, right. how, yes. how much fitness you you have yeah. essentially look at like, you yeah. wow. uh, <laughs> oh evolution's my jam i, I don't know even, more about really? evolution than anything else yeah. you do uh-huh oh yeah like evolutionary psychology so you probably know my papers like my, on it huh my thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, why, that was of course a dick I move do. professor voss God. <laughs> <laughs> yes i've read all of the assignments and i've done my homework <laughs> i think i just teasing but just i did don't not test me no 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 <laughs> i didn't know you're into it yes i didn't know you were yeah. into that any case okay so you get it um so the charities. So does this mean like whatever I say next is now now it's suspect it's people te- are teed up to think like no I think that we're having an honest conversation which I think is also another interesting way of of <laughs> presenting yeah, things and uh, yeah, yeah I mean yeah. I I think here this is this is straightforward what we're doing everybody we're hoping to encourage pro social behavior whether you're using that to make your to pat yourself on the back. Or it's a genuine sense of creating a better world and environment yeah. to live in. Whatever the reason, it's probably good. We don't care. Yeah. That's right. That's right. We don't care. Um, is that my cue? Talk yeah. About my charity? Yeah. Okay. So I chose Donors Choose. Um, and I talk about Donors Choose on the regular to my MBA students um, and my undergrads. Because Donors Choose is this like, wonderful charity that embodies a lot of the um, like a lot of the features that we think that make pro-social giving and caring and sharing all that, um, all the better, like all the, the more likely to happen in the future. What I mean by that is a lot of times when you give money to a charity, like I just donated to my nephew Oliver's um, like school. So he's going to walk some or run some laps around a, whatever around the track. And you do that and you get like a tax receipt, get sent back to you on email. And that's about it with donors choose. They really kind of amp up a lot of the positive feelings because it's this warm glow. And that's kind of like a concept that comes, I, I think it was originated in econ, which is like the warm glow, the feeling that you get of like, I'm such a good person. That's really what drives a lot of charitable giving. And what you want to do if you're a charity is kind of increase that and make that like very tightly connected back to your charity. And Donors Choose does that very, very well. Well, first, they allow you to kind of really put your own like self like your own preferences and similarities into the charity because you can choose um oh let me say at the outset it's about donating to schools so that's helpful so you can choose teachers classrooms or subjects that you really want to donate to so i tend to choose something in minnesota 
and something having to do with science. They don't have behavioral science yet because it's elementary schools, Mm -hmm. but they'll get there. I know they will. And then you see these things and they'll say like, you know, teacher so-and-so needs $354 for um, magnifying glasses or something. And then the teacher writes like a note saying about his or her students. and, And then you can like fund it. And then if you do, then as soon as you do, you get this email back saying that's so wonderful. And you see pictures of children. And then once they get the item, then the teacher writes you a thank you note. And it's so nice. And then later, the students all write you handwritten thank you notes. Oh, my goodness. It's the best. And oh, then and it's so, it's so great. So you get this, like, thing in the mail, this, like, big white envelope with, like, all these little things. And, oh, my God, it's so great. So I remember one that said, like, Dear Professor Voss, um, like, the um, the books about animals are so cool. Did you, you Did your crew send them? My crew. And, and, <laughs> I like that they just assume yeah, yeah, you have, okay, a, you okay, have a my whole own entourage, crew, yeah. right? And does your crew send them and something else? And then she writes, "Do you like my handwriting? Yes or no?" <laughs> Do just, you like- oh, I said circle yes or no, and then the big <laughs> circle yes or no. And one child wrote, "Um, thank you for helping us learn." L E R N. Oh. And it is like this, like every time. So I'm just like, I go back every time. Every time I teach a class, I like, I like make sure to donate in our class's name. I love, love, love it. Donors choose. You guys got to go there and I, I want you to go there and at least just check it out. But you'll probably then want to donate because it's kind of the best. Mm, yeah. I, I could have, I could have used um, <laughs> that growing up because uh, as you, you've already caught like five of my typos and within emails that I've sent in descriptions. No. And I'm still, I think I'm still spelling it L E R N. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I have a, uh, so th- this relates to, we're, we're going to wrap up in a second. I got to get you out of here. Uh, and uh, um, yeah, uh, we're good. I'll, I'll be able to tear all this down. Uh, real quick oh, and good. do it again yeah. and oh man i i can't i i want to have you on the show more often you're so good on this um this is what i want it to be just a conversation and we're having a conversation that's great yeah. um this is everything this podcast is supposed to be so uh I, you're talking or we we're talking about um marketing creativity uh, and um, and honesty and and kind of disclosing um, uh, motives. I w- I had this idea recently of when I start. I'm, I'm thinking of as I'm trying to market my stand up science show. I'm trying to think of like inventive posters and things like yeah. that. And I've been thinking of actually marketing ideas like about like show in marketing how marketing works so that people can like i'll give you an example so uh a ted talk to like go to a conference to attend a conference it's like five thousand dollars or something like that i think that's where it starts and that's like if if you apply to be an audience member yeah to be an audience member yeah Uh, that's to apply to like if you like meet whatever (laughs) crazy yeah no i mean right exactly like whatever criteria (laughs) it's harder than the oscars (laughs) i think it's like but i think it's like 8500 is the bare minimum of like for like a year membership that's like if you're on the make a wish level of of <laughs> and then it's like 25,000 and then i think the patreon members is like a quarter million dollars or something crazy like that wow. and uh, and i was Ted. thinking of yeah good for them they i'm doing the opposite i'm dumping a ton <laughs> of money into a thing that doesn't yield a profit um but i i was thinking about putting all of these prices uh, in in the advertise and then showing like stand up science 
15 bucks all right to, to oh. show and but then i was uh, and i was thinking and that may or may not work, it could I, work. I, it I, think, could work. I think it could work Anchoring, I, yeah uh, and i was thinking about mention then like having a little descriptor about what the anchoring effect is nice. and what it does nice. and, and some of these other marketing biases yeah. like putting them on like like showing someone yeah like a poster where where i have a I have a Ramin Nazer that makes a lot of cartoons for me, this wonderful um, comic book artist. Oh, super cool. And um, and I, I was I was thinking of have it showing like a guy on a poster, a guy's walking by a bunch of posters and each one has like a different message on it. That's basically what posters are are trying to do but like teaching people like how posters work why they're trying to grab people's attention i like that and grab people's attention well while doing that in like a meta sense yeah yeah yeah, yeah. very meta i like that i like that yeah i like that but do you think it'd like creep people out or do you think what do you think people's Um, what's your intuition tell you i don't know part of it is that i'm not that good at visualizing anything so all my students know this like um, and actually, I just wrote a paper recently where we kind of looked at like the how you can use visual imagery in order to change people's attitudes, and it happens like way better than if you use words to do it. And um, and in in doing that um, series of studies, my co-authors found this not found but knew about this scale that measures like whether you're like good at visualizing things or whether you're mostly a verb what we call a verbalizer. Really? And I took this and I was like, oh my god, I, I'm. I'm, I was off the charts. I was off the page on verbalizing and like I have zero ability to visualize, mm. which is why visual imagery is really helpful for me because I don't spontaneously do it. Mm. So looping back to what you said, I kind of think I get it, but I think I also don't quite get it because I don't quite understand. But I think the one thing I'd be wigged out a little bit mm, is that by using, if I did understand, like for example, the like, what did you say? Like five grand, seventy five hundred, you know, whatever, ten thousand, twenty five thousand, quarter million, whatever, and then be like fifteen dollars, and then that looks pretty reasonable, doesn't it? I think all that right. seems okay, but there's something to be said for leading people down a garden path, and then saying like, "Oop, look at I like tricked you or manipulated you," and people don't like feeling manipulated. Yeah, right. But some people are like, "Oh, that's cool," because they did think that that was perfectly reasonable at fifteen dollars. Like, so it's a little bit of a fine line. If right. they feel threatened or if they're like totally into it more. And I don't exactly know. Yeah. I uh, Yeah. We could workshop it tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll workshop well, it yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, well, uh, this is like, man, we just, <laughs> I just, wa- <laughs> I I like to wing them sometimes. <laughs> and too. we really just, we just this did. is terrific. <laughs> it was so much fun. Yeah. Well, wonderful. Well, th- and thank you, Kathleen. It was fun. Thank you and, so much for having me. Yeah. And thanks for being, I can't wait to see you tomorrow and uh, report back to the listeners about how the show goes and everything else. You're so wonderful. Thank you so much. And thank you, listeners, for being such a, a terrific, curious audience. I'll talk with you next week. Next week on the Here We Are podcast, we're going to be talking with, since we had Kathleen Voss, since the first time she was on, she was on a live episode with Colin D. Young. I actually had one in the bank with Colin D. Young, a fantastic conversation. So I thought you'd uh, get to hear him individually as well for next week, talking about personality um, differences and and how you can look in you can do mris on people and determine 
how they're going to judge uh, how they're going to react to certain stimulus depending on their personality profiles and it's such an incredible episode colin is such a great conversationalist real good time so make sure and check that out again check out my documentary psychonautics a comics exploration of psychedelics anything you can do to rate review spread the word share buy rent do all that good stuff it gets it bumped up gets recommended to more people more people will see it and there's a snowball effect and i sure hope this thing takes off even in the the slightest little bit if we make even just a little bit of money off this thing we're going to use all that to make another documentary more documentaries in the future that is the hope and i need your help there needs to be people to watch these things otherwise you can't make them so check it out spread the word and stand up science is coming to a city near you soon we're adding more dates all the time been adding some summer dates going to keep updating the website again go to shanemoss.com and check those out and if you've been listening to this podcast and been enjoying it and haven't had a chance to review it on itunes and stitcher and all that stuff boy reviews are the name of the game that helps me out so much plus i love reading them makes me feel real good about myself i am a real sucker for validation i put a lot of work into this podcast and it is wonderful to hear um, that you guys are enjoying it and so those reviews really help motivate me so thank you very much for listening and those of you that listen all the way to the end you are of course my favorites
taken from me All I need, we both know All I need, I need, but I need